What's up everyone and welcome to episode number 16 of the Just an Insight podcast and it is our second episode where we are working with our good friends at Already Heard. Uh, firstly, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. I am Tim Birkbeck. I am a writer, I am a lover of films, music and wrestling, but most importantly of all, I am your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, I've had a pretty full on week this week, um, what with the bank holiday just gone, so was catching up on a few bits and bobs. Uh, did a film review uh, for Vulture Hound recently of an awesome film called Population Zero. Uh, basically, it's kind of a documentary. Men- uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to leave it with documentary uh, based around the concept of uh, these murders of these uh, three young American lads uh, in this national park in America, which for the life of me now I just can't remember where the hell it was. Um, but yeah, there's kind of like this area called the dead zone. It's, if you Google it, you'll you'll find it. Um, basically across like uh, uh, state border lines um, and there's kind of like this area where basically if you commit a murder you can kind of get away with it kind of thing um, so the documentary all based around that um, and the guy who is filming it gets really involved in the story um, and basically becomes the film um, but yeah I don't want to give too much away because it's, re- like it's the first time I've seen a film like this in a long time which I was really sort of taken back by and yeah it's really worth going to check out so yeah Population Zero go have a look at that um and then after that i had uh three gigs in three days um so i'm pretty worn out and yes but it was definitely worth it so on friday i was in bristol i uh, went and saw the devil sold his soul uh fragile hope anniversary show which was awesome and um, the review will be up on already heard.com uh, in the near future um it was really cool to see obviously i spoke to both ed and paul prior to to the shows that they've been doing um, and one of the things they said that they wanted to do was have fun on these shows and you could tell that the guys like not just them two but the whole band in general just were having the best time on stage um, it was, and it was really cool to hear that record again because it's something that as I mentioned when I was talking to them it's something that I kind of grew up with uh, throughout sort of my college and uni years um, so yeah that was really cool uh, on Saturday I was in London to see Integrity um, which was really cool. I I didn't realise until I spoke to a friend the next day that I thought I'd never seen Integrity before, but then I remembered they supported Converge, so I had seen them, um, but I didn't really remember it. But no, this was really cool, and it was really cool to go to a hardcore show not having to worry that someone was going to punch my face in. It was just kind of stage dives, uh, sort of mic grabbing and things like that. And yeah, it was it was a really cool vibe, really cool show. Um, Art of Bending Water supported, and they're probably one of my favorite uk bands at the moment they're really really cool um so yeah check them out if you haven't checked out integrity why not go check them out uh and then sunday i was at an all day here in portsmouth which had loads of rad bands uh, including my good friends in never uh, rough hands and group of man which was really cool to see those guys again and yeah it was just an awesome day like i can't remember off the top of my head how many bands maybe like 11 um crammed into a tiny little venue in portsmouth which we don't get that many great shows around here anymore, so it was really nice to nice to see that, and nice to see the bands that that play that travelled. Um, Algie Bloom were were one of the highlights for for myself. They were an awesome two piece from Norwich, so yeah, go check those guys out if you haven't seen them. Um, apologies if my voice is a bit bit wrecked, but I've literally just come in from band practice, so and now I'm recording this this here intro for for this week's podcast, which is. As mentioned at the top of the show, is another one that is brought to you by Already Had 
um, already heard as an alternative music website, which brings you features, interviews, reviews, and exclusive content of all your favourite punk, hardcore, metal, and pop punk bands. Uh, you can find all their work from their awesome writers, which include myself, uh, over at alreadyheard.com, and they're on all the social media platforms, so facebook.com forward slash alreadyheard, uh, Twitter is at alreadyhearduk, and on Instagram, if you type in alreadyheard or one word, pop up, give them a follow, got loads of cool rad live shots from their photographers and yeah just bits and bobs um and once again it's thanks to those guys that i was able to speak to today's guest uh who is guitarist and vocalist of the band daisy head michael Rowe. uh i came across daisy head uh probably tail end of 2015 beginning 2016 when uh, somebody showed me their album uh the smallest light uh which i absolutely love i think that record's incredible um, it's something that Michael talks about in, in the chat that he didn't think the band kind of gave it the justice it deserved but I think the record's rad and the self-titled song off that record is one of my favourite songs at the moment like literally I, I play it on repeat Like I can't listen to it just once I need to listen to it a couple of times um, we, we get into this in the chat again but he's, Michael's one of those lyricists that he wears his heart on the sleeve and it's something that I myself kind of relate to Um yeah, and it's it's just it was a really nice opportunity that when this arose through already heard, I jumped at the opportunity to speak to Michael. Um, got to talk to him about their new record, which is coming out, which is uh, called "In Case You Missed It." Uh, and something that that Michael talks about is that that album almost nearly never saw the light of day. Um, I'm giving too much away about this little chat, so I'm going to leave it as it is. Hope you enjoy the chat that I have with Michael, and I will see you on the other side. So this week I am joined by uh, vocalist and guitarist of the band Daisy Head, uh, Michael Rowe. Um, Michael, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Tim. Um, so obviously we'll get into talking about the the new album that you guys have got got coming out. But um, the way we like to start these shows is kind of uh, tearing things uh, right back to the bare bones and kind of getting a, a history of the band. So um, can you just give us a, a brief oversight of how Daisy Head came to be what it is today? Yeah, sure thing. Started in 2012. I was approached by some buddies that wanted to just kind of start a side project, and they asked me to sing for it. And I just kind of, <clears throat> kind of came in and got really stoked on the music pretty quickly. And um, essentially, kind of took a leading role, and we ended up recording some music. And it, you know, we were just doing it for fun, just going to do some tours on weekends and stuff like that. We were all pretty committed to our other bands or other jobs that we had. And then uh, once we started getting a little bit of um, notice from labels and stuff like that. We decided uh, we'd take it more seriously. So then I, I really haven't stopped since that happened. So were you doing sort of vocals and things in, in your old band then as well? Um, depends on which band. I've done vocals in some bands. I've I've just played guitar in others, like like in hardcore bands and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, so I've kind of I've kind of gone back and forth. It just depends on the <laughs> yeah. project I'm working on at the time. <laughs> and obviously, most of the people who would have heard of Daisy Head came across obviously uh, from your debut album and um, obviously the new album that's now coming out um, in case you missed it is it's quite an evolution from um, the smallest light I think so talk me through the um, the the process of kind of 
uh, how the new album was recorded and and from your point of view how it differs from the first album <clears throat> well um the this latest album we're about to put out was definitely more stressful than the first oh, okay um, i uh we had some member changes happen in between uh those album cycles so um you know at at the time where we were really seriously writing the record and preparing to record we didn't even have a full band it was just um me and john taylor and our old bassist zach Mm. so um a lot of it fell on my shoulders a lot of the guitar parts and all of the singing and stuff like that so um you know we kind of didn't even know if we were going to be able to go through with it it just kind of seemed like everything was falling apart but we uh we went through and then we went and recorded with a great producer jay moss up in boston and uh i mean he really brought the record to life and got us all really excited on the new music so um we definitely have just kind of been pushing forward as strong as possible ever since then. Mm. And you mentioned it being a lot more stressful, but do you think that the the end reward has kind of been been worth that stress? Oh, absolutely. It's it's incredibly rewarding. And the record's not even out yet. I mean, once it's out and we get to actually tour it and play the songs live and see how people react, that I'll get the full effect then. But at, at this point, I'm just a relief that we, <laughs> that we did it. Mm. And I actually just got the vinyl in to look at it, and it's just... It's crazy how it all came into fruition. And you mentioned obviously the the member changes, and something else that I read was that, and you kind of touched upon it there a little bit, was that you the band in, as a whole almost kind of came to to a breaking point. So was that kind of just a just the way that there was kind of butting of heads, or as you mentioned, the like the stress of the situation. Um, for, so what kind of made you kind of think, right, we need to pull this together, stay as a band, and make sure this album comes out. Um, honestly, there, there were times even after we recorded that I, I had doubts and that's just part of my personality is, you know, sometimes I'm not the most confident person, so it doesn't take much for me to, you know, doubt myself and stuff like that. So, um, honestly, once we got the masters back of the record and once we kept hearing the music and stuff, we just, um, I think it was the way that the record came out is mm. what kept us going. We just felt like it's really good and it's at least worth a shot on this record to see, you know, what's going to happen. But now that we have the new members, um, we all just want to keep doing it regardless. It doesn't feel as as stressful as it as it did in that sense. <laughs> yeah. to, where, to where I know this is what I want to do instead of being on the fence. <laughs> and kind of sonically, obviously, the new, new album, I think it might just be from, from the way I've listened to it, but it is a bit of a, a step away from the smallest of lights. So it was... And was that a conscious effort? Was that you wanted to to produce something that was completely new to what the first record was? It yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense to where uh, I mean, since I had creative control, I essentially got to make it what I wanted to make it. Mm. Um, so that was really cool, and I was really jazzed on that, and I definitely had that in mind. But at the same time, um, I didn't really have a choice. Our uh, our original guitar player did a lot of the writing and stuff like that, so he brought a, a whole different vibe to it. Him and I kind of uh, did a lot of mix and matching together, so um, not having him did kind of bum me out. At, but at the same time, I ended up just making it my own and then saying, okay, this is what I wanted to sound like, and there weren't really differing opinions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's kind of a yes and no answer. Kind of <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> lyrically obviously i think with any kind of um with the genre of music that you play with any band that is producing kind of that type of music 
the lyrics are something that a lot of fans kind of gravitate to. Um, So for for yourself, because I think, again, this might be just my perception of how the lyrics are done, but they they sound quite personal to yourself. So is there a worry that you're kind of putting yourself, uh, not on a pedestal, but putting your heart on the line and that fans may not necessarily relate to some of the subjects you're you're singing about yeah i actually um i mean i've always been self-conscious about my lyrics because um there are so many great lyricists out there and even just in my friend group and and stuff like that so there's a lot of pressure there because i know i know that there will be people that will dissect it or um or think differently of me because of the way i'm putting myself out there but uh, actually recently within the past few weeks of doing interviews and talking more about the lyrics and this record it's kind of i think it's the best thing i can do for myself is to put myself out there regardless of what people think some people aren't going to like it Mm. and that's fun that's just that's where we are in life to where people are a little more desensitized but um i mean if i i if i let myself continuously worry about what people are going to think about how i'm portraying myself then i'll just drive myself even more crazy than i already do i taught myself to accept it so to speak well because i think uh again kind of going into that kind of genre of music um for for already had i spoke to um the guys from uh, sorority noise as well and i think you and them kind of have uh similar grounds in in the the content that you talk about so again going back to to yourself personally you kind of mentioned uh, the, the self-doubt and things, but being a frontman of the band, you kind of obviously need to have almost a personality as well. So do you think that being in a band has kind of forced you to to kind of tackle your demons in a way? Yes. I Yeah, this is the only way I would know how to. Mm. Um, I'm not very good at opening up, so doing it with my music, and I mean, that sounds a little cliche, you know, <laughs> yeah. music is the answer to everything or whatever, but... Uh, it really did give me, it gave me a platform to at least uh, make myself known in a positive sense, but also sharing stuff that I know other people care about. I mean, there's so many other people that are battling the same exact demons. So, I mean, I've had people um, personally message me and say how they relate to it. And just having that, just a few people, even if most people <laughs> don't feel the same way, that's fine as long as I've been able to connect with at least a few people you know they're really strong connections Mm. so they mean the world and something that i've kind of noticed um you guys have kind of done from the outset like even with the with the first album is um i'm not sure if this is kind of label pushing you or if it's a, a conscious effort from your guys um but you do a lot of kind of music videos and i think each video kind of sits well with what the theme of the song that you're singing about is um so is that something that you wanted to do when you kind of started taking the band seriously as you said like you wanted to kind of add that second layer of aesthetic to the band well i mean i've always thought that that would be great you know um but it wasn't i i can't take that much credit for it because the all of the directors we've worked with and stuff Whenever I'm, I can do some video work on, on my own end, but uh, visually, I'm aesthetically absent-minded. If that makes <laughs> yeah. sense, I'm not. I'm not good. Like I'll talk to a director, and be like, "This is what the song's about. Can you help me portray this while keeping it universal at the same time?" And each person that we've worked with has done a tremendous job of that. I think we've just gotten lucky in that sense. But of course, I want that, you know. But I, I didn't 
really get to bring that myself. Mm. If that makes sense. No, 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 it makes sense at all. Um, cool. And c- c- going, sticking with the video kind of theme, obviously with this record, you did um, the sharing around of the video for Common Ground. Was that mm-hmm. just another another thing that you wanted to kind of do to? to boost the record around to kind of get people sharing it to get people knowing that that you guys are putting out this new record because obviously i think for my my first understanding of of the new record coming out was seeing someone share that video ironically right um yeah that um i had had some ideas earlier on about doing some share programs like that you know getting people personally involved mm some uh some of people in the daisy head team that kind of are behind the scenes and stuff like that brought this exact idea to the table just saying you know let's let's post it and let's have people share it and just we'll give them a free download of it i think it's a perfect trade uh which that i think that that was a great idea (laughs) but at the same time i'm about to have to send out like hundreds of personal downloads (laughs) so um but i mean i didn't expect it to get that many shares and that many views and we got so much positive talk out of it i think it was a perfect thing to do i hope mm. i think it's just good to get personal instead of just trying to um just i mean promotion is important for sure but getting other people to get involved that kind of makes it, them feel like they're a part of it as well you mm. know To the the type of genre that Daisy Head kind of sits within, I think that rather than your your kind of your hardcore bands and your your average kind of punk bands, there seems to be a lot more inclusivity within kind of uh, the kind of grunge emo whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. So do you feel like that because, as I say, the lyrics and the music in general that you're putting out is so personal that more people are attracted to you and want to kind of latch on to what you've got. But then, as you say, you want to make a personal connection with the fans. Is it a kind of a, a give and take in that aspect? Yeah, I think so. And I, it's, I think it's still too early to tell, you know what I mean? Like we still haven't, uh, we haven't put it all out there yet and we haven't toured it yet and stuff like that. But there, there has been some gravitational pull, um, just not so much yet. Like probably like with with bands like Sorority Noise, like you mentioned before. That's a that's a great band in mm. in our genre. That's doing a lot for people with mental health and stuff like that by putting it out there, yeah. and kind of creating a persona that people can relate relate to and talk to. Um, I've spoken with Cam once before. I got introduced to him, and he was a really nice guy. So um, I think that's important. Mm. And you mentioned obviously touring the album. Obviously, you've got the the US tour that's coming out. So- coming up after the release and um, mm-hmm. unfortunately i've never had the, the pleasure of kind of witnessing u.s shows so 
um for for you guys what's the kind of key enjoyment that you get out of touring and are there any specific cities that you really look forward to going to oh wow um touring is just i mean that's the reason i'm doing this is um because i want to tour because i want to see as much of the world as i can and play music while doing it it's kind of you know it's the dream whether we're making money with it or not i mean maybe we will eventually and if not i'm just really really enjoying getting to see part of the country that i wouldn't have pushed myself to see if i didn't have it scheduled out this way you yeah. know so um i love just the travel and the the feeling i have from being away from home and doing that and kind of putting myself uh out of my comfort zone is just kind of it's freeing for my mind but uh on this tour we're hitting um some of my favorite cities like denver in colorado and portland oregon are great and new york's always fun we have we kind of have uh, a new group of friends in new york and brooklyn and staten island and stuff like that so i'm excited to get back there as well mm. and kind of want to take things back a little bit so obviously when the the smallest light came out um for me personally the the kind of title track that that is the smallest light is kind of the one that I was I was introduced to first, um, and I think that's the one that I probably play the most. Um, but wait, when that album was kind of first put out, what was the the initial reception from from fans? Because I think going back to the the genre that you're kind of in, you it was a different sort of take on that genre. So did did fans kind of see that? I think so. It wasn't. Unfortunately, we. Um... At the time we released that album, we didn't really know what we were doing. You know, we didn't know how to promote ourselves well, and we didn't know, uh, we didn't have proper management, I would, I would say, like right when it came out. Because um, we just, I, I always say that we didn't give it the cycle it deserved. So it was well received, but it didn't go out as far as I wanted it to, and that was kind of our bad. You know, we didn't extensively tour it like we're planning to do. Uh, this new record in case you missed it. So, um, yeah, it was good, but it was, I expected more. I think, I think I just kind of shot too high in, in my brain just saying like, Oh, we're going to blow up off of this. Cause I was really proud of it and I yeah. still am. But back then I was like, man, everybody's going, we didn't realize the work we had to put in. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then obviously between that album and this, there's uh, uh, nearly a two-year gap. So obviously, I, I know we've mentioned kind of member changes and things like that. But for you personally, because um, again, this might be something that I've just touched upon listening to the two albums uh, almost simultaneously. Um, is that I think you, as a as a lyricist and a vocalist, have kind of uh, developed and changed your your vocal range. So. Was there has there been anything in that two years that you've kind of worked on personally to to strengthen yourself for this record? Yeah, um, I think it kind of I started taking vocal lessons um, a little bit, and also the we like I said we didn't tour a lot off of the smallest light, but the amount of touring that we did kind of helped condition me. Like singing night after night and learning how to keep up my vocals on the road was made it a lot, a lot, a lot easier for me to manage that in the studio. But mm. also the the studio experience that we had with the second record, um, in comparison to the first one, is the first one we recorded while we were at home. So I would go over to the studio after work, you know, every now and then, and it was pretty sporadic. But 
for in case you missed it we were in the studio the entire time just oh that's the only thing we focused on the entire two weeks we were in boston so i think i was able to be more in the right headspace to to project the right way and to yeah. be more confident in the parts and we did pre-production before and put just there was just a lot put into it a lot more thought and i wanted it to be a pretty vocal driven record as mm-hmm. well and i think it kind of came out that way so that was a big focus so do you think that not not to kind of dismiss the smallest like because <laughs> as i said i really enjoyed that record but do you think as a band you, you kind of put put a bit more effort and a bit more conscious sort of thought into um, in case you missed it. Yes, for sure. Um, mainly we did it because it was after we'd learned from our mistakes that w- whichever ones we did with the smallest light, mm. um, you know, so we were able to just be more conscious about how to go about it. And uh, we took it. It's not like we took it more seriously. I don't know if I ever take anything more seriously than the last because I'm, I'm all in all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the process was so different and with such different people, it's, it's so hard to pinpoint the vibe on each time. And something that I've kind of read about that people, I don't know why they seem to, to pick up on it, but the fact that you guys are from Nashville, um, people always kind of seem to ask you like, what, What's it like coming out of Nashville? But I, I don't know. Is it, Do you find it weird that people ask you that question? I do. What's your perception of Nashville? Well, I, I, I get that, obviously, the, the stereotypical view is that it's the heart of, like, country music and things like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, but I'm a music lover in general, so I know there are other music genres that come out from, from right. like, Tennessee and things. So, yeah, I just, I just thought, like, from, from you guys, did you kind of do you get baffled by getting asked that? Yeah, I do. Um, and that's why I kind of turned it around to ask you is because the, the weirdest thing about Nashville is everybody else's perception of it if they're not from here. And I'm technically I'm not from here, but I've lived here uh, since before the major gentrification started and yeah. before it became popular. I've lived here for about 10 or 11 years now. Mm. Um, I grew up a few hours west in Memphis, but so I've always been in Tennessee. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. I did an interview a few years ago and... Um, and then I recently did an interview with the same guy and brought it up in, in, in that. But he he said over the phone, he, and he was from New York, and he called and he said, I heard that uh, that Nashville is in New L.A. And I was like, what? Are you? <laughs> I was I had no idea what he was talking about. And then I started looking around after that and noticed it's, it's just it's crazy to me how much it blew up. And I love Nashville and it's great. And there's a really, really great uh underground rock scene that's kind of killing it right now mm. and that's been everything about it recently but you know i get that question a lot i when people find out i'm in a band and they're from around and they're you know kind of older don't understand the music scene they just immediately ask oh cool so country right yeah you know <laughs> so, so um, it's kind of an eye roller but i mean it's i understand why people are gravitating here and want to know more about it because it is a great city i can't deny it but does that annoy you that they kind of jump to that conclusion that that you're a, you're going to be a country band? Yeah, well, it annoys me personally because for some reason I've always had this personal vendetta with country singing. Okay, and I don't I don't discredit um, I don't discredit country music as a genre because there are some of the best musicians in the entire world are country musicians, singers alike. But ever since I was young, I I did not like the twangy singing kind of thing. Mm. So. Um, 
I know definitely older country is still badass regardless of what I think, but it annoys me just because I just naturally don't like it. I don't know <laughs> why. I can't explain it. And I know that obviously uh, America in general is kind of a, a quite a vast country, and I know you're doing quite an extensive tour to to promote this album. But are you have you got any future plans like later on in the year to kind of hit other areas of of the country, or even kind of going further afield, maybe coming here in the UK? Yeah, actually, we uh, I can't give away any details, but we are working on it. We okay. are definitely. I I can almost guarantee that we're gonna get out of the U.S. this year. <laughs> awesome. um, so um, I'm I'm pumped about it. I just I hope everything falls into place. We just have a lot up in the air right now, so we can't rule anything out, and we never know what's gonna come up. But we do have plans for that, and um, we definitely want to get into Canada this year too. We've only played one Canada show, and there's a few markets that we want to hit up there. But we definitely wanna we definitely wanna cross the pond this year. Cool. And kind of going back into the album a little bit, um, with with because I know it's this bit of a, a, a weird and quirky question, but I always like to ask like bands what their favorite tracks are. So um, <laughs> within the within the new record, is there one that you feel that you've really kind of put your personality into it, um, and that that one has the most meaning to you personally? It depends on the day. It's okay. funny. I, I've been asked that question a few times, and every every time I feel like I want to give a different answer. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really, really digging Common Ground lately, not just because we're pushing it, but just because that was supposed to be an instrumental track. And oh, okay. uh, we ended up, I just ended up writing vocals for it literally on the way to the studio. And uh, it ended up being most people that hear the record say it's their favorite track and i think we did a really cool music video for it and stuff and i mean if i recorded the vocals for it like drunkenly at 1 30 in the morning after we went <laughs> to a show you know we're just like oh we should try and track vocals right now just kind of joking and then i was like yeah i'll try it this is probably the gonna be the song i need to sound the best so probably it's probably a bad idea but let's do it and then we ended up tracking it and i the takes sounded great so i mean i think that song has the best story and I think it sounds really good too. So, so I guess that one today. You can ask me again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Why was it meant to be in a, an instrumental track then initially? I think honestly, as much as I hate to admit it, I think I just there was I was so stressed out and ready to just record and stuff, and we were getting so close to the wire that I. Well, first of all, I was lazy, and second of all, I was doubting myself. I just didn't think I'd be able to write anything good enough in that short of time. Okay. I, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this sounds cool. Let's just keep it instrumental. And then I was just like, uh, I should probably just do it. And then everybody else pushed me to do it. They said, you need to write vocals for this song. So mm. I did, and I'm glad I did. So was it going to be like a almost like a, a bit of an interlude track initially? I guess so. You know, I didn't really know at the time. It was just... I, <sighs> Just like we'll figure it out, and <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of sticking on the on the song theme, the way I like to to end these interviews is um, ask the band when they're playing live. Is there any uh, track that they in within their set that they particularly connect to, um, or that their fans necessarily go go the craziest for? So, um, if, if if I take it twofold, if the, what's what's your personal favorite to play, um, and what's the one that you get the best fan reaction from? Okay, the song, we wrote a song called Never Know for this record, and we recorded a demo for it uh, with different band members, and then we re-recorded it 
in the studio, and now we play it differently than the way we recorded it um, in the studio. So we there's just a bunch of different versions of it, mm. but our, our live version of it is so much fun. We just made it to where we could just jam out harder and have a lot of fun with it, and most people react to that one the best. Okay. So it's my favorite one to play live for sure, at least there's because of what we do at the end now. It's just kind of just gets us all pumped. Mm. So I think that one gets us the best and gets the best reaction. Perfect. Brilliant. Well, Michael, thank you very much for, for taking the time to speak to me. Um, best of luck with the, with the new record and the tour. Um, and I'll have my fingers crossed that I catch you guys in the UK at some point later down the year. Awesome, Tim. Thank you. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. See ya. Cheers. Bye. So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Michael from Daisyhead for taking the time to chat with me. Uh, and thanks again to Already Heard for setting the in- interview up in the first place. Uh, if you haven't heard any of Daisyhead's stuff before, um, I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, go over to YouTube, check out their music videos. It's probably the best kind of uh, gateway into them because you get a kind of snippet of what they're all about. Uh, and the videos kind of really illustrate what the songs are about as well, in, in my opinion. So yeah, go have a little look on there. Uh, alternatively you can find them on all the usual social media platforms uh, over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram it's all the same things, all Daisyhead TN um, so yeah have a search of that, check out the band, see what they're doing uh, they're currently on tour, touring the new record uh, in case you missed it, over in the States um, and as always you can uh, get in touch with us over on Twitter, which is at just underscore and underscore insight uh, using the hashtag JAIpod uh, next week will be one of our wrestling roundtables. So if you're going to be watching WWE Payback, uh, tweet us your predictions. Let us know what you think's going to happen in the pay-per-view. Um, something that we started uh, prior to WrestleMania, and I think we're going to kind of roll it out throughout the, the, these WWE pay-per-views, um, is we ran a little poll of each match who people think is going to win. Um, so, yeah, check us out on Twitter. Have a look on those. Let us know your predictions. Join in the conversation. Let us know what you think of the baby review. As always, we'll be live tweeting it as well. Um, so, yeah, that will be next week's episode. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for stopping by, and I will see you soon. Yeah.